Have you ever noticed that there is a difference, a distinct difference, between a hearing problem and a listening problem? There's a, there's a difference there. Now, I know that hearing problems can be very frustrating and they can be very challenging. When you're, here, when you're not able to hear as well as you think you should be able to hear, it, it can really, it just, it's annoying it, it, at least and worse than that most of the time. I found out about that after a, a couple of years ago after I had a bout with COVID. During a couple of years ago, I had COVID and I got an infection in my ear that was so severe that it, it damaged my ear. And so from, now, from then till now, and I guess forever, I don't really hear very well out of my left ear any longer. And, but I do have this really lovely ringing noise that sounds like the old dial-up internet uh, that goes on 24-7 in that ear. Um, and you may have that as well. It's, it's a gift that keeps on giving. But even before I had COVID and, and that problem occurred, I have to admit, I had a listening problem. My hearing was okay, but my listening was oftentimes not. And maybe that's the same for you. You see, a listening problem is when you have ears to hear, but you are selective in what they hear what you listen to, what you actually let come in. It's almost like you put up roadblocks to block out certain things, certain topics. That's a listening problem. I mean, there's an old saying that God gave us two ears and one mouth so that we should spend twice as much time listening as we do talking. Yeah, that hits a little close to home. But really, maybe it should be that God gave us two ears and one mouth because listening is twice as hard as talking. It's hard to close your mouth and listen, to truly listen. As someone said, most conversations are simply monologues delivered in the presence of an audience. That rings a little true, too. In one of her books, Joyce Landorf tells a story about a friend of hers. And this friend had gone to the doctor and received news that nobody would want to receive. She had been told that she, her diagnosis was such it was going to require surgery, and then it was going to require treatments after surgery, and she was terrified. She was very upset about the news, and so she did what anyone who could in that position might do. She turned to her mother to get her mother to offer comfort or help, advice, something. And so she called her mother and asked her if she could meet her for lunch. And so she left the doctor's office and she drove to meet her mother for lunch. And, and while they were eating together, she finally got to that point in the conversation, in that lull of them both eating, that she finally said what she was there for. She said, Mother, I, I've received some terrible news. I just come from the doctor's office and they, I received the diagnosis and I'm scared because I know that with surgery and with treatments, the next few months or maybe the next year or more is going to be very challenging. I'm scared. Her mother swallowed the bite she was chewing. She took a drink of water and then said, 
Your sister has come across the most wonderful recipe for making chicken enchiladas in the oven. She just sat there for a second and looking at her mother and then said, Mother, didn't you hear me? I just told you that I came from the doctor and the doctor diagnosed me and the doctor said that next Tuesday I'm having surgery. My life is about to be turned upside down and changed. I am scared. And her mother said, don't raise your voice in public. That's just rude. I'll have your sister send you the recipe. But remember that if you leave the enchiladas in the oven too long, they will dry out. You know what was happening in that moment. We've been on both sides of that conversation probably sometime in our life. It wasn't that the mother was mentally not capable of receiving the news that her daughter had shared with her. It was just she was so overwhelmed by it that she switched to a topic that she could handle. A topic that was easier. Today's lesson in scripture has one of those kind of moments involved. Today's lesson is is truly one of the most amazing events in the New Testament. Jesus takes three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he leaves Caesarea Philippi, and they walk for about six days over and up Mount Hermon, and there they are all alone. And the Bible says that Jesus was transfigured in front of them. He was transformed. He was changed in front of them. His clothes became dazzling white. I like one of the translations says, they became whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. That's how bright they were. And then, if that wasn't enough, then appearing right before their eyes was Elijah and Moses. And they were there talking with Jesus. And Peter's overwhelmed. Peter's overwhelmed by this situation and and scared and he's terrified. And so he switches to a topic that he can handle. He says, Rabbi, it's really good for us to be here. Thanks so much for allowing us to come on this hike. Um, Why don't we just put up three shelters here? One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Me and the boys, we can stay outside. We're okay with that. I mean, he's working. He is developing his own plan, totally oblivious to what's going on in front of him because he doesn't know what to say. And he's not really paying attention to what's happening. And then, if all of that wasn't enough, a cloud appears out of nowhere and covers them. And then a voice comes from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Then suddenly they looked around. There was no one else there, just them. And Jesus. If the disciples needed any confirmation that Jesus truly was the Christ, the Son of the living God, what they had just said about him in Caesarea Philippi before they began this journey, if they needed any confirmation that that truly was who he was, well, this is it. The voice of God from a cloud saying, This is my Son. Listen to him. The theologian Paul Tillich once said, the first duty of love is to listen. To listen. There 
But that's, always, that's not always as easy as it sounds, is it? There was a study done some time back where the interviewer spoke with teenagers who had found themselves living on the street. And they were asked about home life, and they were asked about growing up, and they were asked about different things about growing up and life and all of that. And finally, they were asked this question. Is there anything that you needed most and couldn't get? And invariably, their answer, which was often accompanied by sadness and tears, their answer was, what I needed most was someone to listen to me. Someone who cared enough to listen. How many people could echo that same feeling? How many of us? How many spouses? How many children? How many friends? What I need most is someone to listen. Someone to care enough to listen. Listening requires a choice. We have to make a choice to listen. We have to make the choice of where we're going to place our attention in that moment in order to truly listen. We have to make the choice of, of whether or not we are going to put other things first or if we can actually focus so that we can listen. If we're going to tune in to our, our spouse or our children or our friends or our co-workers, then we have to figure out how to put away the things that divide our attention. And trust me, I'm preaching to me more than I'm preaching to you in this. Because it means that we have to lay down technology or move away from the chore that we're doing or putting down the book we're reading or setting aside the work that we brought home with us. All those things that occupy our attention and pull our attention in a thousand different directions, we have to figure out how to put that aside if we're actually going to listen. To actually listen. I mean, there's that, that joke that pops up every so often online where the husband says, my wife just came in and she said, are you listening to me? And I thought to myself, what a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> conversation been going on for quite a while. He's just now tuning in. But that's often how it is. We tune in for a moment, we zone out for a while, we loop back in again because we aren't really listening. I've always been touched by the story of a young woman named Star Patterson. One day Star got home from work late and she had to get everything ready for supper and so she's got her children are playing there and she is working on getting all the dinner preparations done and her mind is totally set at the task at hand and that task to start with was peeling potatoes because you got to get the potatoes peeled and you got to get the potatoes cubed and then the potatoes go in the pot and the pot goes on the stove and the potatoes boil or else nothing else happens with that part of the meal and as she's working, her middle son, Stephen, who's five years old, is playing nearby. She knows he's there. She can hear him playing. And she's just trying to get through this pile of potatoes. Suddenly, she feels this tug on her pant leg. And she hears Stephen say, Mommy. And she just keeps working. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Doesn't even register that he doesn't say anything else. A minute or so later, she feels the tug again. Mommy. This time, she goes, yes, and keeps peeling. Again, nothing. 
Five minutes later, he shows up again. This time he tugs harder. He's a little more persistent with the tugging. And so at this point, she drops the potatoes in the sink and she lays down the peeler and she turns and looks down at him and, and, and just looks, at, and looks into his eyes and he says, Mommy, bend over. And so she leaned over toward him and he reached up and he took her face in his hands. And he said, Mommy, listen to me with your eyes. And she said, 14 years later, and I'm still working every day to learn to listen with my eyes. Not just when my children talk to me, but when coworkers talk to me, when friends talk to me, to listen with my eyes. Listening to your family, your coworkers, listening to those you come in contact with every day as you go about your daily business. If the first duty of love is to listen, then we need to figure out how to listen. And unfortunately, if we are not very good at listening to the other people in our life and in our world, just think about how bad we are at listening to Jesus. Have you ever noticed that Transfiguration Sunday comes around once a year? I know that it is not the big thing. I mean, last night was Transfiguration Eve. I bet none of you did anything special. Uh, you don't have your, your set Transfiguration Day lunch that you're all going home to eat. I know it doesn't rank up there with Easter and, and Christmas and the others. But every year, Transfiguration Sunday rolls around. And it happens for a couple of reasons. One is, in this story of Jesus' ministry, this is a very critical hinge moment in his ministry. You see, because when Jesus comes down from this mountaintop experience, he sets his face to go to Jerusalem. He sets his face to go to the cross. He begins that final journey to the final Passover where he will be the Passover lamb, the lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. Everything that's led up to this trip where that they've made up to Mount Hermon, everything's been leading up to this moment this event. In Luke's gospel, we actually find out about the conversation that's held between Moses and Elijah and Jesus. One translation is very nice about it. They say that they've come to talk to him about his departure. But the reality is they've come to talk to him about his death. That's what that means. To talk to him about what lay ahead, what he was going to find in Jerusalem, what he was going to experience. They're there to encourage him. And they're there to remind him that in his death on the cross, he was going to fulfill the law that was represented by Moses and the prophets that were represented by Elijah. And so, see, this moment is critical to remember every year on this Sunday because this is the moment when Jesus begins his journey to the cross for us. But we also remember it because the transfiguration of Jesus and, and his journey to Jerusalem is, is critical. But we remember it today because we're about to begin a journey as well. We're about to begin on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday, we begin our Lenten journey that will also take us to the cross. We, we begin thinking about 
how God could transfigure our lives or, or transform our lives across the next 40 days of journey. As we move our way through the days of Lent to the cross and beyond. And so we start this journey of Lent because we want our lives to be different when we get to the festival of Easter. We want to be more faithful as disciples. We want to be a better apprentice to Jesus when we arrive at Easter Sunday. And so we have this passage that comes to us every year on the Sunday before we start Lent because it gives us some amazing advice. Advice that comes from a tremendously reliable source. God speaks and says, this is my son, the one whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. That's God's prescription for a successful life. That's God's instruction on how we can change our heart and life. That's God's God's gift to us about how we can order our life so that we can have a life that has eternal significance. Listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Learn from Jesus. Open yourself to Jesus. Because when we listen to Jesus, then we learn how to develop the integrity in ourselves with which he lived his life every day. We can learn to emulate the compassion that he showed everyone he encountered. We can grow to put God and others ahead of ourselves in our lives because that's how he lived his life day in and day out. When we listen to Jesus... We can be delivered from the guilt that holds us back and from the anger and the hatred and all the other baser emotions that tear us down and they cause us to live a life that is not joyful and doesn't meet the abundant life that, that Jesus came to offer. When we listen to him, we listen because he is the son of man and the son of God. He knows the heart of God. He is the heart of God. And so we listen to him. And we listen to him because of what he's done. He's going to the cross for us. For us. Because he loves us that much. We should listen to him. When God commanded Jesus' disciples to listen to him, and notice it's, it comes across as a command, not as a request. Listen to him. He didn't qualify it sometimes or when it's convenient or as long as it doesn't disturb any other part of your life that you've already planned out. He just simply tells them and us to listen to Jesus. And so I love what, what someone has said. First and foremost, listen to him. Above all other voices, listen to him. When everything else is loud and confusing, listen to him. At the start of each morning and at the end of each day, listen to him. Before you act, before you speak, 
Listen to him. When you are busy and when you are bored, when you're alone and when you're in a crowd, listen to him. And in the aftermath of failures and frustration and in the midst of celebration and success, listen to him. Transfiguration Sunday happens every year on the Sunday before the journey of Lent begins because it gives us the advice of how to have a Lent that can transfigure and transform our life. Listen to Jesus. And so as you prepare for your journey, if you truly want to be transfigured, transformed, if you want to be changed, if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, to grow more as an apprentice of Jesus, then put aside all distractions and follow the advice the guide, the command of God. In this land, and always, listen to Jesus. Amen. This morning, our closing hymn is number 211, Christ Whose Glory Fills the Sky. And as we sing this together, if you would like to make this your church home, then I invite you to come forward as we sing the second verse, which will be indicated on the slide.